the whole premise of the business was to create a healthier environment that could easily be maintained over a longer period of time. And I'm going to break into this conversation for a second and say, you probably have a can of disinfectant in the house and or in the office, right? Of course, <laughs> they're everywhere. So if I said to you, Matt, I'll tell you what, I want you to have the healthiest office around. I want you to go out on the internet and I want you to research the best disinfectant that money can buy anywhere in the world. And I will pay for it. I don't care what it costs. And then you bring it into your office or your home or whatever, and you read the instructions and you use it according to the instructions. The best one in the world. How long will it continue to kill germs for? An hour, a day, a week or a month? What do you think? All right, welcome back to the show. Really, uh, really cool guest today. We have Erwin um, Strohmeyer on, and what's special about him and and what he does and what we're going to talk about is it's very it's a very timely topic, right? We're all in the midst of just coming off of a year ago of being locked down and the topic of germs and viruses, and and it's still a very very hot topic. It's on everybody's mind, and so Erwin is an expert in the field of microbiological germs. So he is going to talk about some really interesting angles on it today, interesting ways to look at um, at germs. And when it comes to servicing facilities, medical offices, gyms, all kinds of businesses. So hope you enjoy the show. And Erwin, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you know, we have a few buckets. I was explaining to you that we, that we, we talk about, you know, sometimes it's finance, sometimes it's uh, it's health and fitness, but this as a subset of health, like public health and our awareness of, of, I mean, every one of us, just using me as an example, when I get in the car, I have my little Trader Joe's spray bottle, you know, that I spray on my hands and I keep them everywhere. And it's like, I don't even know why I'm really doing it. It's like, maybe you don't even need to do it. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you, like what we really need to know about germs and about uh, maybe the right way to handle, I guess, eradicating or, or maybe... Remediating. It would be my pleasure to share what I know. So um, let me let me let you start by telling me. Um, just give us a little bit of a background. You know how you got into this, and, and just kind of bring us up to speed on what it is that makes you the expert that you are today. Uh, actually, that would be a lot of reading and taking lots of tests. <laughs> but basically, I got into this back in 2013, uh, while my father, who was a doctor, was on the exit ramp of life. And he was in and out of hospitals. And at the time I was working, I had my own company selling medical supplies, I'm not supplies, but medical equipment to doctors, veterinarians, surgical centers and all that. And then I made a lateral move into a new area called public infection control. Now, if you ask other people in infection control about that, you're not going to understand why it seems to go right over their head. If you ask doctors, especially infectious diseases doctors about that, they're going to say they're not familiar with it because it's such a simple concept, but it's such a foreign concept because, you know, we're all used to getting sick at different times of the year. But basically, um, I had transitioned into this because my father was catching infections left, right and center from the hospital, from just being out and about, and his, his life was declining. And while I still had access to him, I said, hey, what do you think of a 
a business that's built around the idea of reducing the volume of infectious germs in public spaces. And he goes, well, if you can come up with a way to do that and it works, it'd probably be very helpful. So I had been introduced to a company, which unfortunately no longer exists in Texas, that was making an antimicrobial solution, not to be confused with a disinfectant. They're really two different things. Okay, but they were making this and it's been being used by a variety of different services and companies. Uh, it's used by the military in their mobile medical uh, hospitals for either, you know, uh, in a war or just like in the beginning of the pandemic when they set up the military field hospitals in Central Park in New York. All right. They would go in and make sure everything was virgin clean and apply this so that any germs that landed on the surfaces in those treatment areas uh, would have a high probability of dying very quickly and not having the opportunity to infect another patient. Um, but that's all in the medical field. I don't deal with hospitals. I, I just, we have a different belief about how things should be done and I'll just leave it at that. Whereas in the public sector, we deal with um, things like child care centers, um, adult daycare centers for like grandma or grandpa to go be with friends and play cards or checkers or whatever, um, restaurants, hotels, uh, doctor's offices, business offices, uh, houses of worship. And so the whole premise of the business was to create a healthier environment that could easily be maintained over a longer period of time. And I'm going to break into this conversation for a second and say, you probably have a can of disinfectant in the house and or in the office, right? Of course, <laughs> they're everywhere. So if I said to you, Matt, I'll tell you what, I want you to have the healthiest office around. I want you to go out on the internet and I want you to research the best disinfectant that money can buy anywhere in the world. And I will pay for it. I don't care what it costs. And then you bring it into your office or your home or whatever, and you read the instructions and you use it according to the instructions. The best one in the world. How long will it continue to kill germs for? An hour, a day, a week, or a month? What do you think? An hour. Less? Well, you have three other choices. A day? I'm thinking not long. The best one out there? The best one in the world. All right, so I was thinking you were going the other way with it. I got two choices left. So it's either you said a day, so it's a week. It's a month. It's a trick question. Oh, it doesn't work at all. What happens <laughs> is when you apply. That was fun. Thank you. Disinfectants. You're very welcome. <laughs> I'll do a standard routine when we're done. Um, the thing with disinfectants is they have to be applied properly. And what that means, if you look on the back of any container and read the directions, it'll say surface must remain visibly wet for X number of minutes. X could be three, it could be five, it could be 15, whatever. Now, what visibly wet means is not what people do with like a can of spray disinfectant where they go and, and the mist barely makes it to the surface and then it doesn't last long enough. Visibly wet means it looks like you knocked over a glass of water. So, you know, you're seeing thickness of liquid, clear liquid on your surface, and you have to let it sit there for X number of minutes and then either wipe it off or hopefully it's evaporated by then. Okay. And most people never use disinfectants, right? And they do not realize that as soon as that disinfectant either dries, evaporates, or they wipe it up, 
there is absolutely no more germ killing going on. Wait, hold on. You, this is the stuff that we all use like in our houses or whatever. Just If it doesn't say, if, if it doesn't stay just the way that you just described, it, it's, it's only working when it's visibly wet. Right. Which is for like a, a minute while you're wiping something down. Well, the whole idea in using a disinfectant is to flood whatever the surface is that you're using it on and let it sit there either A, for the stipulated period of time, and that's how they get their 99 point whatever kill rate because oh, it's, marketing. It's, it's wet and it's there for the period of time to do the job it was designed to do. But when people take XYZ, you know, spray disinfectant and, you know, missed the kitchen table with it or missed the, the kitchen counters with it, A, that, that evaporates in less than a minute because it's not visibly with the way you got to, you got to hold the spray and you got to spray it and it, you got to flood the surface with it basically. And so the, the stuff that we all use, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. Well, it's not being allowed to work the way the instructions say to get the kill rate of germs that they're claiming. You see all those claims, those are okay. called health claims. And the EPA and the FDA are just all over people that make false health claims. An example of a false health claim would be this. The homemade kitchen soup that Jenny makes, if you eat that for a week, you'll never get sick again. That is going to put you right in the federal pen for a long time <laughs> because you cannot make health claims that cannot be backed up by science and reviewed and accredited by someone like the EPA. So you have to do these things properly and carefully. And when we provide our service, because we use a variety of different products to achieve what we do, we can legally say that the efficacy or the effectiveness of our service is warranted for a year because we're not claiming a product claim for the health claim. You got that? Yeah, it's very, I, it, I do. It, it takes a second to like, let it sink in. Believe me, it took me three years to try and understand what they were telling me. That's why this is so valuable because anybody that, that, that watches this, from this moment on, is going to have a very different view of what you think you're doing in your house or your office or anywhere. So those little things that I buy that are this big, that I keep everywhere from Trader Joe's that have the lavender scent that I go like this for a minute are doing what? And they're helping. Okay. Because you're squirting it into your hands. You're usually creating a little puddle in your hand and you're rubbing it in and on and you're helping to remove a volume of germs from your hand or kill a volume of germs that are on your hands. But you, this is a perfect segue to the next part. Do you know how you get sick most often? Rubbing your eyes? Touch it, like touching your That's face? Part of it. Touching your face. After you've touched everything else on your way to work, the doorknob at your favorite coffee shop, the elevator buttons in your office building, okay, the handrails on the escalator, all right. Shaking people's hands. I mean, exactly. Every time you touch something with your hands, you're depositing microbes that are on your skin on that surface. But it's a fair exchange because you get to take, not that you really want them, but you, you, what you've touched had germs on it already. Those germs transfer to your hands. And as soon as you do this or this or this, you've introduced those microbes onto a very friendly surface 
that provides the things that germs need to multiply. They need a friendly surface. They need warmth, moisture, and a food source, meaning other microbes that they can eat. Right. Okay. Isn't this like the, the, the debate that goes back and forth of your own body's defenses remaining strong because you're, you're not constantly you know, clearing things off, off of your hands. So your body remains able to fight things off versus weakening your own defenses by constantly washing your hands. You know? Well, there are a couple of schools of thought on that. Um, the first one is, and I heard this from a lot of, let's say, childcare center owners. Oh, you know, it sounds like you have a great service, but we want the children to be exposed to as much as possible. So it builds their immune systems. And in essence, that's an accurate statement. But the thing is, it can take your body, your immune system, a while to learn and remember which of these pathogens were actually dangerous enough that it had to ramp up your fever and ramp up your white blood cell count, all right, to fight those invasive organisms, okay? And, you know, I've had to say to people, well, how many of your students are immune to E. coli? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I said, chances are none of them. None, right. Simply because there are so many strains of E. coli that your body may know a few of them, but it doesn't know all of them. That's how children transfer to each other, especially in a school location, how they transfer things like really bad bacteria like E. coli amongst themselves. And, you know, if they go like this, they can infect themselves very. That's how you get pink eye. You do this when there's pink eye around and it gets on your finger. I hope your hands are clean right now. My skin is so freaking dry from, from hand sanitizer, man. <laughs> My father, the dermatologist, may he rest in peace, would probably want to smack me with a two-by-four for how much I use. I have it at my desk. I have it in my car. I have it at my night table. I keep it in my briefcase. I mean, you know, I, I buy I buy it literally by the five-gallon pail. No kidding. And refill these containers. So that says a lot because of because of what you know. So my, my, the answer to my question is it is useful, you know, doing, using those things is useful and, and certainly it reduces your chances of really getting sick. You don't want the flu. You don't want these, you That's don't right. want COVID. You don't want these like really bad things that, that take you down. Right. But you know, your body's going to do what it can do. There's always going to be something, as, as you said, you're always fighting something because there's always something on your body. Right. There's always something happening. Right. And, and the thing is, as children, you know, I mean, none of us knew any of this when we were kids. You know, we'd go in the, we'd go into the woods, we'd play, we'd fall in the mud, we'd do whatever, we'd get God knows what in our mouth, okay, and spit it out and just keep playing and you know, and we're still here, thank God. By the way, you and I are of a generation where we used to actually play outside and do those things. There's people that are now wouldn't even know what you're talking about. Play outside, what? You can play outside. This is my grandchildren. Right. <laughs> I'm like, guys, come on, I built you a nice rope swing outside. Let's go. I assemble no, that requires activity. Let's go. You know, but anyway, no, I, I remember as a kid, we never worried about any of this stuff. And since I started this business in early 2013, sure. I have become an absolute paranoid germaphobe. I mean, I take my grandkids out to lunch or dinner and one of them crawls under the table and I'm like, no, get out from under there. Oh, my God. And my, my kids are like, Dad, will you calm down? We survived. I'm that, like, yes. That's a great segue into an, an actual question that I have for you that was Please, actually yeah, prepared. And, and it's, it's what is it that we need to know now, like currently? Like it's, we're in January 23, 2023. So what do we need to know now about germs 
that's actually true. It's factual. It's like you're seeing it. It's what's happening. It's not some nonsense that was on the news a year or two ago that changed 50 times or a thousand times. Like what's true right now about germs that we should know? May I, may I make it a, a funny really quick? Absolutely. I know it's a very broad question, whatever, by the way. Whatever you do, don't listen to a politician about germs or illness. 100%. 100%. There's nothing factual about it. It's their opinion no, based on nothing. Political BS. Right. But what you need to know about germs today is very simple. First of all, germs actually replicate very quickly. Now, here's a perfect example. You can look this up on the Internet. Everything I will say to you is backed up by medical fact. None of this is my hypotheses about some study done in Uruguay 50 years ago. Okay. It, Thank you. I get stuff from CDC, NIH, and WHO every day. And in the beginning of this business, I had the time to read all that stuff every day. <laughs> now, I'm lucky if I sleep at night with some of the stuff I read. But in example, bacteria. Take, for example, E. coli. It's, it just happens to be one of the most prevalent ones around. A single bacterium cell like E. coli goes through what's called mitosis. And that is when a cell breaks into two cells. It, it makes a copy of itself. Okay. So every 20 minutes, approximately, a cell breaks into two. And 20 minutes later, two become four. Four become eight, 16, 32, 64, da-da-da-da, infinitum. In an eight to 10-hour period, a single bacteria cell can become well over 10 million. And that a pile of 10 million cells, you probably still can't see with the naked eye. And you know, it's never just one of those bacteria cells that's replicating. It's all the ones around it as well. So an example, in a child care center or, or in a, a child uh, recreation facility where they might have a changing table in the bathroom or something. Okay, the bacteria that get on that changing table are constantly colonizing that surface. And the problem is, once it colonizes the surface completely, you can do all the cleaning in the world, but you're not going to get it off. And you can spray it down with disinfectant. But if you don't do it properly and you don't saturate the living hell out of it, you're not going to get a high kill rate. The problem is you can't use a disinfectant around children and leave it wet on a surface because you know little kids, they're touching everything, they're, they're touching this, they're putting it in their eyes, they're putting it in their mouth. And I'll give you a perfect example of that. Back in 2015, here in New Jersey, I think it was either Hoboken or Jersey City, there was a childcare center that had hired an extra teacher's assistant for one of the classrooms, not uncommon. This woman comes in on her first day and she's helping out with the class and everything. And the teacher for the classroom says, it's going to be snack time in a few minutes. Go in the kitchen and grab a tray and put, fill it with paper cups and then grab a gallon of the water and fill the cups about halfway and then bring it out here. I'll get the cookies. 10, 15 minutes go by. The kids are all set up. They've all got their stuff. And within a few minutes, projectile vomit starts flying all over the place because somebody else in the school, you see, in these schools, they, they try to be conservative sometimes and they'll buy bleach and mix it um, two tablespoons to a quart of water in a spray bottle as a disinfectant. It's much less expensive than buying commercial disinfectant. Okay. But the problem is when you mix it into a gallon jug to make volume so you can fill lots of, of spray bottles, you have 
Don't label it. And whoever whoever prepared that gallon of, of disinfectant solution with the bleach didn't label it. So the other the other teacher says this and it said XYZ spring water on it. So she figured, okay, this is good to use. And and oh, the kids started oh, they drank it. I, I didn't know where you're going with this. Yeah, they drank along with a few of the teachers. So I think it, now the exact details elude me as to the numbers, but I think it was something like 14 children and four teachers that were taken by ambulance to the hospital to be treated. Fortunately, I don't think any of them got it in their eyes. But and, and at that at that dilution, if you pour bleach on your skin, you're going to know you made a big mistake. Besides the fact that it's going to burn like hell. All right. Fortunately, in the dilution that they use it as a disinfectant, you can still taste it in the water. Obviously, it tastes disgusting, and uh, out it comes. But the next day, the state shut that school down, and it never reopened. So essentially, some idiot made this solution and put it in the refrigerator. I don't know if they put it or in the somewhere. refrigerator or if they just put it up with all the other jugs on the shelf or not. Oh, my God. But they failed to label it. That's, that's, that's crazy. They should be shut down forever. It's I'm telling you, let me tell you, some of the stuff I've seen that happens in child care centers would would just blow you away. Some of them are impeccably clean and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, some high priced franchise one or some mom and pop one. Some people know what they got to do and they make sure it's done right. And the problem is, look, how did you learn to shave? You watched your father. How, how, if you have sisters, how did they either learn to cook or how to clean the house? They watched your mother. That's how we learn. Even in school, you know, you watch the blackboard, the teacher writes how to balance a chemical equation, you learn. But the thing is, believe it or not, there's a real science to cleaning properly between technique, how to apply solutions, how much to apply, what to use for what surfaces. I mean, I you can see over my shoulder that way that I've got some certificates up on the wall, okay? Uh, one, one of them is for an infection control technician I, in New York City, well, New York State, actually. Um, if you work in a child care center, even if the only thing you're doing is sweeping the floor at night, you have to take a course and get a certificate for infection. Uh, I think it's either infection control or infection prevention procedures for daycare. And it's done by a medical education company who does it for that who does it for doctor's offices, who does it for surgical centers or clinics and hospitals. There's obviously, depending on your involvement in the medical field, if you're in a hospital, you need the highest level of, of education on that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I could pass that test, but I've passed the other ones. Um, but anyway, I, I've also taken courses from ISS, a division of ISSA, which is the International, I think, Sanitary Services Association, I think is what it's called. Um, and they have a division um, that teaches proper cleaning technique. And because of the pandemic, developed a public infection prevention course, which I've also been accredited with. So um, even though my father had MD behind his name, um, I have a, a ICT and um, PICE um, letters, which stand for public infection control expert and infection control technician. Um, so it's important. I re even my staff in my company is required to take the same courses that I take because a lot of quote unquote cleaning companies 
hire anyone and everyone who needs a job, and that's a good and important thing to do. But if you don't know the right way to clean or use cleaners or use cleaning implements, the tools, okay, you're not really getting a good cleaning job. And just if you remember in the beginning of the COVID situation, you saw a lot of companies spring up overnight, COVID-19, cleaning and disinfection. And there were a lot of companies that popped up overnight because people lost their jobs because everything was shuttered. Okay. And they figured, well, this, this is the next market we have to do. And the thing is, a lot of them had no previous cleaning experience. They just saw an opportunity. They just jumped on an opportunity. Yeah, what I call pandemic profiteers. That's a good term. You know, you, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, oh my God, there's so many things I'm thinking about while you're talking that I experience. And, and this is maybe bringing it back a little bit to, to what should what should people know regarding germs, right? Well, that's okay. I'm sorry, because I deviated off course and I apologize. That's okay. Let me ask you this, though. This, this, is, this happens every day. So where I live... There's a there's a gym in my community. So I go to the gym there and they started doing do, doing this when they reopened after COVID at 1.30 every day. They make you leave the gym and they shut down for a half hour and a crew of three people. It's the same three people that are always working around this, this facility doing outside stuff, inside stuff. They now come in there with their cleaning stuff and they spray stuff down. And they clean for a half hour. And you can't go in there for that half hour. But as soon as a half hour is done, OK, gym's back open again. And as you're talking, I can picture what it is they do, which is like spray, wipe down, spray. They move as quick as they can. Right. I'm hearing that they're basically wasting their time. That comes down to a couple of things. One, do they know how to do what they're doing? Two, are they using the right solutions for what they're trying to achieve? And are they using the right technique with those solutions? And chances are unless they were trained and certified by some of those companies like that. I forget what it's called. They're not. They're not. I'm going with, I'm going with no to all three of your checklists. Oh, right. Okay. There. <laughs> so the, a lot of it then just, it's the maintenance the people that work in the facility that, that yeah. before COVID weren't even doing this. They're the same people that a minute before they come inside to clean. I literally see them outside when I'm on the treadmill doing right. stuff out in, on the, on the grounds. And then they just come right in and they start cleaning the gym. I never thought about, I mean, I hadn't, I'm learning from you right now. I, I Now that I'm looking at him, I'm like, how, sorry, uh, to the people who in my community, how ignorant this is. <laughs> like The thing is, and, and from recently having sold my vacation home in Florida and having lived in an association like that and all that yeah. other happy horse stuff, uh -huh. um, the thing is, a lot of those associations, you know, they, they, they don't want to spend more than they absolutely have to. For sure. Okay. So they won't bring in an outside service. They'll go on the internet and they'll look up, okay, what's the best cleaner we can use? What's the popular disinfectant? You know, um, the, I don't maybe, even know if you're using. Maybe they'll do those things. Huh? Maybe they'll do those things. Like if they're trying. Well, that's trying. But the thing is, when you ask the guy who's blowing the leaves outside, because they're, they're, they're about to put new shrubs in by the front entryway Same of the guy. clubhouse. OK, when he's blowing leaves away 20 minutes ago and now he's walked in and he's wearing the same clothes that are filled with leaf dust and dirt mm -hmm. dust and everything else. And maybe he's going to put on gloves. I don't know. Nope. OK, but but, you know, I mean, it's even if you're just doing it for show, you should do it a hell of a lot better than that. And that's that's what I'm, that's why I'm bringing this up. It's like it brings it back to like, what should people know? Like. Every, all of us are like, oh, so I see this at the gym. Um, maybe you go to the doctor's office. 
You see them spray stuff down quick in between patients. At the end of the day, it, it almost seems like it's the same thing that was going on. I'm not a fan of what was going on um, over during COVID with the story changing every week. Right. And, and and a lot of it wasn't backed by science and who the hell knows who was backed by. It could have been pharmaceuticals. It depends what what where, what you believe. At the end of the day, what we what we learned and what came out of all that is that no and a lot of this, a lot of the things we heard weren't fact, they weren't truth, they weren't based on science. And now there's 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 new habits that facilities have, have put in place that aren't even based on science. And that's that's what people need to know, right? That is so true and so unfortunate. For sure. We're talking your home or your or your actual business office. What you want to do in actually in any situation is a you want to clean properly and well first. Okay, because if you just spray disinfectant on an on an unclean surface, it's just got the daily dirt and, and debris on it, finger off finger or facial oils or whatever. You know, if there's if there's a, what is technically referred to as a soil load on a surface and you spray a disinfectant on that, the soil load in and of itself is going to massively reduce the effectiveness of that disinfectant, okay? So you're basically wasting time and product and money. The, the three ways to really, the three steps to really deal with this properly are a properly done deep cleaning or decontamination, we call it decontamination in our business, a terminal disinfectant with a broad spectrum lethal disinfectant, preferably something that does not leave a residue behind. And then as long term as possible that you can find antimicrobial coating that is not a fugitive coating. What that what means that mean? is it bonds to the surface and stays there and won't come off if you brush your hand on the surface or your clothes on the surface or if a cleaning person comes by and sprays some 409 and wipes the surface down, it won't come off, okay? And the reason for that is, A, and we're gonna work from the antimicrobial backwards to cleaning. If the surface isn't virgin clean, down to the, the quartz tabletop or the Formica tabletop or whatever it is, or Okay, if it's not clean, then the antimicrobial coating that's supposed to bond to that surface and last a while, okay, won't be able to do that. If it dries on something that dried on there already and then they go to clean it, whatever it dried on top of, dried juice, dried anything, the cleaner they're using will take that away. And since the coating was on that, it will take the coating away. So it has to be, it has to be cleaned properly. Then it needs to be disinfected because just cleaning but if you've got a good cleaning technique, you can get a lot of biological debris off. But after a good cleaning and a good disinfecting, you apply the antimicrobial coating, the surface protects, has the ability to protect itself from new microbes that land on it by either touch, cough, or sneeze. Okay? And just like they were telling you, you know, usually there's two different ways people get sick, either cross-contamination infection, which is I touched the doorknob on your building and I rubbed my face before I went to the to the to you, the door of your office. OK. Or airborne infection, which is a lot of what this COVID has been about. OK. Or the other one, which nobody really talks about much, which we call bodily fluid transfer, which doesn't need to be part of this conversation. So the thing okay, is, Joe. what a lot of people 
didn't really talk about too much during this whole COVID disaster is that when people sneeze or cough, there's volume debris, meaning like if somebody sneezes and it lands on the table and you can see it, whether it's a clear droplet of, of mucus or whether it's, pardon my French, a booger, okay, that's one thing. That'll land on the surface. You can see it. You can clean it. But there's also a super fine mist. And that mist, depending on what's going on in the air in the room, can remain suspended for hours. And You're as people kidding. come into that room and can breathe it in, they get sick from it. That's why they had the six-foot social you know, separation idea and all that. But the easiest way for you to be able to see how easily a, a, a bacterial or viral mist can spread. Have you ever walked into a room and there's nobody in there, but you can tell that somebody had smoked a cigarette in there? Of course. That's right. So it lingers. Because the the smoke itself, the smoke particles that they've exhaled are still floating in the room. And if they've done it long enough, they've stuck to the wall, they're stuck to the furniture, then you really smell it. But if you ever watch somebody while they're talking, even with another smoker or two people outside in the cold of winter, okay, and you see their breath, right? okay, I mean, if there's no wind out, but it's like 20 degrees out and you're talking, I mean, it looks like you're blowing smoke. Right. And if you see two cigarette smokers and they're talking to each other, you can see as they're talking, each of their clouds of smoke are passing each other. So this is what's happening with the, with the the germs in the air exactly. when you sneeze. Exactly. Wow. So the thing is, even though it's airborne, the point I was going to make is eventually gravity gets hold of it and it's brought down onto a surface. And if it's a viable bacterium or even a, a virus that's in a cell, as that cell replicates, it makes copy of the virus within the cell into the next cell and then the next two and the four and the eight and the 16, like that. So that's why it is so critically important to not only make sure that you clean your surfaces and the things you handle often and clean them properly, all right, but to make sure you are properly using a disinfectant and to finish it off with the icing on top of the cake to be an antimicrobial coating that's non-leaching or non-fugitive, meaning it won't come off on your hands or it won't come off on your sleeve or, you know, if some little kid is gumming the edge of the table, that it doesn't come off in their mouth because it, it, it could upset their stomach. But that's primarily the, the magic potion or magic instructions for really reducing the ability for microbes to multiply and inhabit your space. So if somebody is looking, if somebody was like, so if you're looking for somebody to clean your house or your office, and and knowing this, like, what is it that what is it you should be asking people? Like, what, like, how, how do you even know if you have the right people or not? Well, the thing is, we have to back up a little bit before that to human nature. Okay, um, a lot of people hire these kinds of services a because either they don't like to do that even in their own house, or they don't have the time. And as long as somebody gives them a good price to come in and dust and wipe down the counters and vacuum the floors and throw out the garbage and clean the bathroom with the bathtub and the toilet and the sink. All right. And maybe spray whatever brand of disinfectant they figure they're good. 
But their kids come home at the end of the day and maybe they have a few friends over for a play date or just to hang out in the basement and play video games. And some of them have colds or God knows what. Okay. Um, If they contaminate the surfaces in that house and then leave, the people in that who live in that space have every opportunity to get those infections. Now, if those surfaces are properly decontaminated, disinfected and antimicrobially coated, then a lot fewer of those germs will survive. And therefore, this is a, a, a kind of like I try to explain to people and I try to do it very visually. So if I said to you, Matt, I'm going to make you walk across a 10 foot by 10 foot space with a blindfold on. But I want you to know there is going to be 100 thumbtacks points up. And I want you to see what your odds are of being able to get across that 10 foot span without winding up with tacks in your feet. And you're not wearing shoes, by the way. Now, if I said to you, now what I'm going to do is, in essence, do the disinfection, do the antimicrobial in your mind. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to remove 90 of those tacks at random. Do you see how much lower your odds are? of winding up in a very painful situation, that's what the antimicrobial coatings can do. Wow, what that's a powerful... Um, I just had... You know how people sometimes get those cartoon illustrations made of like... I just had... That would be a, for your business, like a 60-second like, here, let me tell you, if you did this versus this, this is like cleaning your house. Boy, would that resonate because your story just connected with me. Well, I'm actually... Visual. Hopefully interviewing a new social media marketing person uh, the day after tomorrow, um, to do videos like that for me. And I, I had somebody who was doing it, but she had some issues and, and she had to re recreate her business. And so unfortunately I don't have her anymore, but she was phenomenal at creating videos and stuff like that. But that was a great uh, illustration. yeah, I mean, I, I look at it this way, you know, you, you, when I started this business and in sales, I've always believed that there's nothing like a live fire demonstration. If you're selling military equipment, that's the only way to sell it to the military. Bring them on range and show it to them. I used to go to adult, uh, adult, um, what do you call it? Assisted living facilities. And I would, long before the pandemic. Yeah. And I would meet with them and they would be like, well, how safe is it? And I would open the bottle and go, that was about four ounces. Tastes like, shh, but... <laughs> You know, and I say the reason it's so safe is because it's designed to kill one microbe at a time on a flat surface. So even though the only other other side effect to it, and that was definitely off label use, um, was that you you really couldn't taste anything for about three hours. <laughs> I, well, I'm telling you, it's it's I love what I do. I'm very fortunate with that. And I know it helps people when my clients write me letters after being a client for two or three years and say, you know what, everyone, we're so happy we do this because we've seen a, a 50, 60, 65, 70% drop in infections in our school since we've been using your services. That, that means everything to me because I know that a lot of people are not suffering needlessly. You know how... We, we hear these myths like I've seen on the news, like every so often they'll do a cute story about like myths about germs. And there's always the one like the toilet seat myth. 
like can you really you know get sick from sitting on a, a toilet seat and, and does it really even make it sense to, to put down stuff on there and of course the answer is always like the odds of getting something that way are, are so low like they scientifically prove it are there right. other things like that that all of us human beings walk around thinking that are just like just like nonsense like it's just not true but yet we well, have these, these habits and rituals around them anyway I'm putting on a spot. I realize it. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. I, you know, and if I don't know the answer, I'll tell you. I don't know the answer. But what I can tell you is that one of these myths is something I discussed with you earlier about how I walked into a school and the person in charge said, sounds like a great service, but we could never use it because we want the kids to be exposed to as much as possible to help build their immune systems. Think of your immune system as an old fashioned township library card catalog. So when your body experiences something that is a new invasive organism, oftentimes it doesn't react right away because it doesn't know what it is. But when it starts to see how it's affecting your systems, it's like, wait a minute, this doesn't belong here and we have to get rid of it. And what it does is it ramps up your temperature and gives you a fever in an attempt to burn it out. And it amps up your white blood cell count, which is kind of your you know, internal disinfectant, let's say, okay? to try and kill it that way. And sometimes it's just a matter of waiting it out. But the thing is, once your body does that, it's kind of like filling out a card for the card catalog and putting it in there. So the next time it comes across something, of course, it's much faster than going like this and looking for that card, but it has that information. But one thing that you should have learned from this whole COVID experience is that variants are a real problem. Okay, I literally just had COVID two weeks ago for the first time, and I am so happy that I got the vaccinations and the boosters. I called my doctor the day I tested positive. She gave me this Paxlovid, the new medication for it, and in four days, it was over with. And fortunately, because of the vaccinations, it, it I didn't have to go to the hospital. I didn't have to be put on a on a ventilator or anything. But you know, the right medications make all the difference in the world. So. The, the, the myth that the more you're exposed to, the more you don't have to worry about things around you. Let's put it this way. People caught COVID and they didn't actually die from, many of them didn't actually die from the COVID itself. They died because the COVID exacerbated pre-existing conditions they had. Right. So if they had respiratory distress issues, if they had kidney issues, if, the, if they had, you know, blood chemistry issues, whatever, the COVID kind of was like giving each of those pre-existing conditions their own turbocharger. And what happened was those people had the problems that they had get exponentially worse faster than the body could handle mm -hmm. yeah. it. And that's eventually yeah. what killed them. So you know, it's, it's funny. I had COVID also. Wait, let me finish. So when you hear all these political people saying, oh, the COVID death numbers are BS, you know, people didn't really die from COVID. I'm like. That, yeah, it's absurd. Person, right? It's so ridiculous. You know, it's called throwing gas on the fire. Right. That's how you burn off your eyebrows and the, and, and the hair in front of your head. So I'm sorry. Go ahead with what you were going to ask. No, no, it's okay. I, I thought you were dying. I didn't mean to interrupt you. That's all right. Um, I had it in August. You know, I've, I've had um, the vaccines and everything. So I had it just this past August and I didn't get that <clears throat> Paxlovid early enough. I called the doctor after a couple of days of being like incapacitated. I was really sick. 
and he gave it to me, but it, it, I missed that window. It, it didn't actually do anything. Actually, it made me feel it had side effects. So I, I stopped it because I'm like, all right, I missed the window. It is important to get that quickly. And it's important to take it exactly as it says on the box. Yeah. Three in the morning, three at night. I think yeah. it's a four or five day regiment. And yeah. I mean, because every day at the end of the first day when I knew I had it, that I tested positive. Like late that afternoon, I started to really feel like crap. I had already called my doctor because the test told me that I tested positive. I got the stuff from CVS that evening, took the first dose. And by the time I woke up in the morning to take the second dose, I didn't feel quite as bad as when I went to sleep. But I, I noticed that I got fatigued and tired very easily. On day three, I felt a hell of a lot better than day two. And on day four, I was like, wow. It's, it's done. It's over with already. And then on day five, I tested myself three times during the day, a, a swab in each nostril. Okay. So six tests, six negatives. I'm good. Now I'm just hoping I don't wind up with long COVID where I wind up, you know, out of breath for the rest of my life. That's that, that part of it stuck with me for months, like months. Like I, I work out a lot. I go to the gym a lot. And it was I was like, I just, I just turned 50. So I was like, you know, in my, it was 49 when that happened and in really good shape. And I was like seven o'clock at night, I got to lay on the couch. Like I'm at, I'm done. Like I, I was like, I felt like I was 90 and uh, after, even after it passed for weeks and weeks and weeks, I couldn't, I couldn't do my normal stuff. Like my, I, I didn't have the, I didn't have it. And it took a long time to get back to normal. It, 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 well, if you notice in the way, and prior to COVID even, existing or COVID-19 existing other coronaviruses have existed be since the beginning of time just like the common cold is a right. coronavirus right okay so the point is this um I noticed in the last five six years whenever I did get the flu all right I even when I was over the flu according to my doctor I still felt run down for two or three months or I winded after a while, okay? And of course, there were other things that I didn't realize that were going on in the background, like the fact that um, I was headed for an emergency triple bypass, which happened in September of 19. But I noticed in the years previous to that, like when I would get sick, it would just knock the living crap out of me for a month or two. And a Wait, lot of other people- You can't skip over that because that's something that, that we got to talk about you were feeling tired possibly because of that. Right. And, and, the and, thing, and you know, when you could skip over that symptom, that's really what you're saying right now is so important. Well, here, here, here's a concept I think you'll see immediately. So I wasn't feeling well one morning. I, I tested, I put the cuff on, tested my blood pressure. All right. Uh, 190 over 97. Holy. The second, the second one, 210 over one, like 12. All right. I mean, those numbers, even though I'm only the son of a dermatologist, those numbers were through the ceiling. So I called an ambulance. They took me to the hospital. They did the blood work. They said, you absolutely had a coronary event. I said, I didn't have an elephant sitting on my chest. I didn't, I didn't feel any pain coming up through my arm like this. They said, well, even though your symptoms are not typical, your, your cardiac enzymes are way elevated. So that tells us you had a cardiac event. So then they said, okay, the, we're going to assign you to a doctor. 
who said, all right, I'm going to keep you overnight for observation. The next morning, they wanted to do a stress test on the treadmill, and they wanted to do uh, an echocardiogram. I lasted three minutes on the stress test. The echocardiogram, they said, was suspiciously inconclusive. And the next day, they shipped me to another hospital where this doctor's partner was going to be doing what they call cardiac catheterizations or angiograms. That's where they inject the dye and look at it on a screen to see how it's flowing through your heart. And uh, I'm waiting. They feed something into your like, up through your up through your groin. The, yes, the, yes. The that's the only, they they make a little puncture and they feed it up through a main artery in your groin yeah. and all the way up and in, into your heart. Yeah. And they inject the dye and they watch it on kind of like a live feed X-ray, basically. Okay, and you can they can watch how the fluid flows through the hearts and how fast it moves through the arteries. And so when I came out of it, the doctor came over to me and he goes, "I got great news." I said, what? He goes, you're going to live a nice, long, healthy life. After. I said, it was a false alarm. He goes, oh, wait, I forgot to tell you the first part. You're going in for an emergency triple bypass in a half an hour. Yeah. After we do the surgery, you'll be fine for 50 Yes, minutes. yes. I told him, doc, don't quit your day job. Your comedy routine sucks. <laughs> the only so, blessing to me about it was it happened so fast, I didn't have a chance to get scared about having it done. But they said I was 95 90 to 95% clogged in three of my four arteries. And the surgeon, before he even starts the operation, he goes, tell me about your family background. Tell me about the men in your family. I said, well, my grandfather passed away from heart disease about six months before my bar mitzvah. And um, my father has had a few heart attacks and some TIAs. He had to have a five-way bypass about 25 years ago. Uh, my uncle has had a couple of strokes. My cousins have had heart issues. He goes, Erwin, how is this not evident to you? It's, it runs in your family. I said, Doc, explain to me how it's even possible when I'm adopted and not part of the same freaking gene pool. Whoa. <laughs> so he said, it's one of two things. Either your birth family had right. heart issues, which, is, I, which I know nothing about them. Right. Or maybe your diet. He goes, do you, do you eat a lot of meat? I said, four or five times a week. Is that a lot? Yeah. You know, I like salt. I like that. I like this. I like the other thing. So when I started, I had had this done in September of 19. And I was at a follow-up uh, doctor's appointment with my cardiologist in January uh, of 2020. And my phone rings in his office. And... It's um, uh, an owner of one of the children's little gym locations. Have you ever heard of the little gym? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I am their um, selected infection control services provider for the whole country. And believe me, it's not as glorious as it sounds because they're franchises and they don't have to spend their money with you if they don't want, even mm -hmm. if corporate approves. Yeah. So your margins are, it's like 1% margins, but we, there's 100 of them. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so this one was in in uh, the state of Washington, yeah. where the first pandemic hot zone was in this country. OK, if you remember, Seattle was ground zero. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I have five little gyms in this greater Seattle area, and I would really love to have you come and do them because I know people in Texas that you serviced last year and they rave about your service. And I know one of the people in New Jersey who uses you every year, and one of the people in Pennsylvania who uses you every year. And I got to have you come out here and do that. And I said, well, do me. And, and, and my cardiologist is like going like this. 
So I said, I'd love to continue the conversation, but I'm in a doctor's appointment right now. Can I call you later this afternoon? She goes, please hang up the phone. And he goes, don't even think about it. He goes, you just had open heart surgery. You're, you're type two diabetic. You've got other heart issues, like slightly high blood pressure. Okay. If you go to Seattle, it would be like walking in front of a belt-fed machine gun. You are the perfect candidate to be killed by COVID. So if you go, even if you come back, find the new doctor. So I called her up and said, I'll have to refer you to another colleague of mine who does somewhat similar to what I do and see if he can fit you in. Can, I, can you go back I, for I'm one really second? I'm traveling out of state for business anymore. Can you go back for one second? Something you skipped more. over. Because what you just shared was like this is like a double whammy because there's a this is there's so much good information about about germs and how to how to um, take preventative steps with cleaning. But your personal story, which I had no idea that you had a, a heart um, issue, um, what made you take your blood pressure? That when you said you took your blood pressure, uh, okay. So so what happened was my father passed away in in 2015, and. Um, his accountant, who was also the executor of his estate, um, and he was also my accountant and my siblings' accountants, and um, we had 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 a couple of times that we had gone at it about, you know, what my father's will said versus, you know, how you're interpreting it now, even though you told me you understood what it said, and it had come to a point where he said, you know what, my predecessor gave me words of wisdom one time, Erwin, you can't please everyone all the time. And since this is becoming a bigger and bigger issue with each phone call, what I'm going to suggest is you find another accountant because I don't want to do your accounting anymore. And I went down to his office the next morning and picked up my accounting stuff and brought it back and was sitting right here at my desk doing uh, a proposal for a potential client. And all of a sudden it felt like my forearms and my calves were being blown up with air. It felt like somebody was either like pressurizing them, like blowing up balloons. And I'm, I'm looking at it and it looks as normal as normal, no redness, no swelling, no nothing. And, but it felt like they were going to burst. And so I said, I don't know what the fuck this is, but pardon my French. Um, but, you know, let me just try and calm down and relax. And I, that's when I took my blood pressure and I was like, Oh, that one's not good. Let's try this arm. So I put it on this arm and I'm like, that one's even worse. 911? Because <laughs> my other half, God bless her, she had left earlier in the day to go have lunch with friends in the city. So it was just me and my little doggie at home. So I called the neighbor to take care of the dog and I went to the hospital. And the rest you already know. Yeah, I, I just didn't want to skip over that because if got one person ever watches this and they, and they have heard your story in the back of their mind, you never know. Somebody could be like, wait, 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 I better dial 911. I shouldn't ignore this. Not that I'm doing a plug for a product, but after this whole thing happened, you've probably seen this, this thing on the TV, no. uh, you set it up with your telephone and by touching it with two fingers, it'll do an EKG. Right I haven't your... seen that. Yeah. It's, it's called Cardia, K-A-R-D-I-A, Cardia. And it's an amazing, I mean, it's very thin as you can see, and it runs on a little battery in here and it syncs with your phone. And once, you know, probably once a day, it reminds me do this and it takes my, my, does an EKG for me. 
And I can send it by the press of a button on my screen. I can send that right to my doctor's office if there's anything funky. And it'll tell you if there's something. No kidding. You know something? This show kind of took a twist, but it's I mean, I just turned 50. You know, it's like I'm I'm hearing. And of of course, I've got a lot of friends that are 5, 10, 15 years older than me. And I'm hearing things happening now. Things are happening now. And and I, I think about it. So this was really valuable as well. Hearing your story. Oh, being 61 years old and having four grandkids and two wonderful children and pretty good in-law children. Uh, I'm doing most of what I can to make yeah. sure I'm around for a little bit longer. My dad lasted till 85 until four super infections that he caught at the hospital. Um, decided to laugh at the four IVs he had going into his body of four turbocharged, um, uh, what do you call it? Antibiotics. Wow. That's so, a long life. We should all make it to 85, 90, 100. Yeah. You know? Right. I'm going to wind it down right there. Okay. Because um, you covered some really good stuff. Thank you. And I don't want to dilute it. I think, I think we real. this was a really good show. Thank you. Um, I enjoyed it. You know, who knows when, if anybody's going to watch it tomorrow or next week or in a couple of years. Like, we, we never know, but this is going to be out there as long as YouTube leaves it out there for us. And we just, you know, we're going to do, a, we're going to put a lot of, um, you know, cool keywords in it and hopefully people find this and, and, um, and, and you, you can always use this too, just to, to spread the word. It's, um, this is like a really valuable, it's almost like a public well, service announcement type of show. In, in, yeah. in regards to that whole public service idea. Okay. Public service announcement. Um, I'd like to put my information here of course. for people because there's a lot of good information on my website, a lot of good links to other government and health doc related documents Okay, so if you're interested in knowing more about public infection prevention or public infection control, what I also refer to as public health safety, all right, um, you can go to www.sterilespace.com, S-T-E-R-I-L-E-S-P-A-C-E.com. That's my website. There are articles, there are blogs on there. There's all kinds of stuff that you can read about, um, ways to to, to clean your home or, or your business or, or how, how to understand um, what the chemicals you're going to use are going to do and how they're going to help you. All right. There's a lot of good information there. If, if you want to call and ask questions, the number to reach me is 973-714-8288. Or if you want to email me, it's Irwin, I-R-W-I-N at sterilespace.com. And everything you just gave us, it's going to be in the description down below. So we're going to put all that there um, so that anybody wants to reach you, they, they could just go there. They could find it. Uh, I, I really hope that people find this. I hope they find you. This is. Um, well, if they use me, I always like to say one thing. Never fear. The germ police are here. <laughs> That's great. Do, do you put that around your neck when you walk like like you're a detective? Uh, I actually I, I have I have the kind that you can clip on your belt or put it around your neck. The only thing is I, I really try not to do that all that often simply because you can easily be mistaken for a real police officer. And and, and then you're in I, trouble. Well, if if you if you if you push the envelope, they'll get um pretty pissed. And uh, it was funny because I I was using my own personal car for a lot of sales calls and putting a lot of mileage on it. So a few months ago, and pardon me, I'm just looking for a photo I want to show you. But a few months ago, I bought 
a um, used police car and had it lettered up and everything. Oh, come on, where is this damn picture? Um, and I kind of used the New York City police car motif, so to speak. And of course, now I cannot find this photograph. Where the hell did it go? Well, in any event, here's what part of it looks like. Oh, you look like a real police car. <laughs> oh, it was a real police car. It was a Pennsylvania State Trooper vehicle. And I bought it and had it lettered up. It looks like a New York City police car. Oh, yeah. But instead of NYPD, it says SSID. And instead yeah. of police on the fender, it says germ police. And then we just added another slogan under that the other day, which says to serve and protect from infection. I love it. Now I'm having flashbacks to Ghostbusters. Remember when I drive down the highway, as long as it's a multi-lane highway, I feel like Moses because the sea parts in front of me. If I'm going down just a two-lane road, yeah, they slow down to the speed limit, and I don't get to go anywhere. So you're the guy. You just get in the fast lane, and all of a sudden, everybody pulls out of the way because they think it's a cop. I love it. And it's got the spotlight on it. The only thing yeah. I'm not legally allowed to have on it is a light bar, which I don't need that. I love it. All right, my friend. This was... um. This was awesome. I appreciate you giving all that information out. That's exactly what, what we do at the end of the show. And we're, like I said, we're going to put everything down below. And um, and I th what you're doing is really great. And I, it just keep spreading the word. I'm going to spread your word. And, and hopefully uh, we were of value to people today. And if, if you would like, and I'm more than happy to do this with you, if you want to think about doing, you know, maybe a monthly or a quarterly segment with me, I'd be happy to be on your show again. I have an idea, which I'll talk to you after we, we off camera. There is something I do, which is um, it's live. Right. Which might be inter really interesting. Let's talk I, about it. Let's talk I, about I, it. This is a great topic that people need to know about. And like every so often, just to kind of get a reminder, you know? Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Listen, thank you again. I really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, hopefully we, we helped somebody. We brought some value. And uh, that's what the point of this conversation was. Thank you for having me on. It was a real pleasure. I wish you the best of luck, and I'm I'm really glad that you are happy and healthy. Thank you, sir. You too. All Thank right. You. Thank you.